As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe, and joining me today as guest co-host once again, Possibly my favorite guest co-host. I don't know. We we have to see. It's uh, senior writer Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Well, well, that's quite an introduction. Uh, Glad to be here. I will be full of introductions today because we will be welcoming a special guest to talk about this week's topic. It will be all about our Samsung reviews, specifically about uh, the Galaxy Z Flip 5 and the Z Fold 5. I'm sure at this point you can probably guess who the guest is. Um, But we're also going to talk about some other news this week. We can never escape the onslaught of Elon Musk slash X slash thread saga stories. There will be a little bit about that this week, Um, as well as some other more fun news, hopefully. Uh, As always, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure to leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. And typically we've been doing live streams of the recording of this show on the Engadget YouTube channel on Thursday mornings at about 10.30 a.m. Eastern. But for now, we are on a summer hiatus as we figure out how to bring the live streams back. So... We always appreciate your feedback and any thoughts about whether we should bring the live stream back, how we should do it, whether you want it. Uh, so send us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. So joining us today to talk all about our Samsung foldable reviews is a friend of the Engadget podcast, foldable extraordinaire. His hair even folds in half. <laughs> His face does not quite fold. He is the one, the only... Mr. Mobile, Michael Fisher. Hey. Wow. Well, look, anything folds <laughs> if you try hard enough. It folds once. So, yeah. My and I think you just called him a I know, foldable, yeah, which is that was, that was very interesting. <laughs> My reputation is evolving. Fold. Yeah. Well, I mean, I fold. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't fold easily. We haven't played poker, but well, I think have you, have you ever. Have you ever wanted to be a cyborg? <laughs> Who says I'm not, Sam? Really, I feel like one today. Yeah, fair point. You do, you do, you do seem like one to me half oh the time, Fisher. Uh, thank you for yeah. joining us. Thank you, <laughs> uh, and making time in your busy schedule today. I know it's uh, it's been rough for you. You've been traveling, right? I have. I just came back from China, actually, so I am fully in my my time. You know, my time signature is totally inverted. I feel like I'm from an alternate universe. I've been going to sleep at six in the morning and waking up at two in the afternoon. It's it's the worst. I don't recommend it. But um, so, yeah, that's that's so, the most difficult jet lag to yeah, get over. Yeah, it is. So it's a it's a fold. We're folding time <laughs> now right. to make this work. <laughs> Correct. A lot of a lot of funds. Uh, this week we at Engadget published our reviews of the Galaxy Z Flip Five and Z Fold Five. Sam was in charge of the bigger phone. I took care of the little boy. Uh, I think we had fairly different takes or fairly different uh, conclusions in terms of where each one stands. I think similar in a lot of ways, but our main takeaways, at least for mine, I was like, this is still the best flip foldable because the competition is the Razer Plus, whereas Sam is like, eh, Samsung, you're coasting a little too much. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of each uh, in a bit, but Fisher, are you spending any time with these things? Have you produced your videos yet? So I'm spending all kinds of time with them for sure. I always try to make sure, like, you know, with, with Samsung foldables you absolutely have to cover them uh, but you you really yeah. have to focus on them too because they are what we in the united states have enjoyed as the only uh, foldable entrance that make any sense uh i 
am much more excited about one than the other. Uh, but yeah, Ooh. but I think I know which one because I I, I I feel the yeah. same way. But uh, I'll let you I'll let you say. say I mean, let's piece. let's get sure. into it because I okay. I'll bet money you're more interested. You're more excited about the flip. Yes, that, that's correct. <laughs> I mean, be, yeah, that, that's what I, I feel. yeah. I feel like we're on the same wavelength, Sam. Like. Um, Samsung's complacency is something that a lot of us have complained about for a while. And now that there is competition in the form of Google, uh, rumors say OnePlus soon on this large format space, uh, it was not the year for Samsung to coast, but I think this is the most iterative update we've seen from Fold 4 to Fold 5. So that's why the fl- there's just so much more going on on the f- in the flip and there's so much more direct competition that's been around for a while. There's just so much more to talk about with the flip. So I think that's why the flip is more exciting from a narrative perspective. I mean, do you want to get the get the boring out of the way then? Like, <laughs> shall we start with the full oh, five? Yeah, yeah, good call. <laughs> uh, I mean, Sam, do you want to summarize kind of what you your review was? Yeah, and so you know, the basis of my review is that I, I feel like 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 uh, Michael Fisher was just saying, it, Samsung has gotten a little bit complacent, and I you know. I said in the headline, it's like, I feel like Samsung kind of treading water with this. Because if we're looking at the new features on the Z Fold 5, it boils down to about four or five things. And only one of them is really, really meaningful. So the main screen is uh, brighter at 1750 nits. That's nice. Not going to complain about it, but it doesn't really change the phone. Uh, new Snap- Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 chip for Galaxy. Also better performance. Not going to complain about that, really. But, you know, this was kind of expected. They do a new chip every year. We, we were expecting this one. Uh, there's uh, a few new multitasking gestures. Uh, you know, there's a two-finger swipe in to launch side-by-side multitasking mode. And there's a diagonal swipe down from the corner uh, to get into windowed mode. And there's a uh, thinner S Pen. But the S Pen doesn't have any new features. It still doesn't fit inside the phone. And so that brings us to the one big upgrade, which is the new Flex Hinge, which, you know, it makes that so there's no gap between the phone. It folds completely flat. Uh, it's thinner now, uh, down to 13.4 millimeters, and it's really, really nice. And, you know, for someone like me who's owned the last uh, two fold, uh, Z Folds, you definitely notice it in your hand. It just feels a little sl- slimmer. It feels a little bit leaner. Um, it feels like, you know, a little bit more toned. That said, it doesn't functionally change the way you use the phone. And I think that's my big gripe is that you you either have to do two things at this point if you're Samsung. You either have to reduce the price or you have to add some really interesting new features similar to what Google did. Google added a 5X uh, optical zoom on their phone versus 3X on the Z Fold. And the Z Fold's cameras are basically unchanged from last year. So it's like, you know, right. you're really seeing that complacency set in a little bit. Um, and so, you know, Google also switched up the design. Samsung's been using the same design for the last five years. They've been polishing it, refining it. Sure. But it's the same basic design. And so that's kind of what I feel about, hey, you got to make it cheaper so more people can get access to these devices, or you got to bring some really interesting new features that change the way you use it. Yeah, you're, uh, you're hitting exactly the point I was making on another podcast. This is, um, this is my third podcast of the week, by the way. So I, I forgive Look me if you. I'm repeating myself across. Uh, so popular. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Um, Thanks for coming to ours. No, it's the best. Um, it, it, my, my thing is, I said almost exactly the same thing. If you're not going to, if you're going to iterate so conservatively, generation over generation, then why is it still $1,800? 
You know, over the first few generations of Fold, I think the argument from Samsung was like, look, we spent five years developing this technology, you've got to pay off the R&D, which is, okay, cool, fair. We're five generations in. The thing is so similar to the Fold 4, I don't get why it's still $17.99 other than Samsung thinks they can still get people to pay that. I think it's, you know, the other fallback is, well, it's not for people who had the Fold 4. Of course, it's for people who had the Fold 3. And if you have a Fold 2, this is a great upgrade. But yeah, even the biggest hardware change, that flex hinge with the, um, you know, that folds flat and the fatter teardrop fold on the on the, on the the screen, um, those are things literally every other large format foldable maker was already doing to greater effect yeah. to, to make thinner devices than the Fold 5, lighter devices than the Fold 5. And it, it still hasn't addressed the biggest issue with uh, aesthetically with Samsung displays, which is that the crease is still pretty apparent. So, yeah, it's tough to... It's the most obvious crease on pretty much any big foldable yeah, right Yeah, I now. mean, you might be able to make the case that it's tied with the Pixel Fold because the Pixel Fold certainly has a very visible crease too. But, you know, I, I, it, it's very difficult not to be underwhelmed if you're tracking these things year over year. Um, again, don't think it was the year I... for Samsung to coast. Go ahead, sorry. I'm no, I'm with you though. Like I, I wonder more. I don't care so much about the crease. I think that's just part and parcel of like using a foldable anyway. My my main thing is more that did Samsung not think that they would have competition on the large format side this year? Did they not think Google was going to roll something out? Because like you said, this is an iterative upgrade. It's been like you know designed for people with the Z Fold three perhaps or the Z Fold two, and it's like it it decided it got complacent. Like we've both been saying. We, the Pixel we Fold in the industry, rumors had been swirling exactly, for years. Exactly. Like they, 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 they had to know it was coming. And they work closely with Google, too, on software. Um, and yes, I think on I have to give Samsung some credit here with their multitasking and some of their gestures. Samsung's actually better than Google at some of the software for like um, larger screen slash flexible screen devices. At least that's my yeah, Take. if you if you're like really about mobile productivity, you have more options with the Z Fold. Just between the multitasking gestures, the taskbar is more more of a desktop like taskbar, so it's you know it feels a little bit more full featured. And then you have Dex mode if you're into that too. Um, and kind of to um, uh, Fisher's point before about the price, when the Z Flip Five uh, or so when the Z Flip first came out, it was uh, fifteen hundred, a little uh, around mm-hmm. fifteen hundred dollars, and it's dropped by five hundred. Uh, recently to about $1,000 for the new Z Flip 5. When the Fold first came out, it was just under $2,000. And in five years, they've dropped that price $200. So you've got to give me something Something's to talk gotta about. got to give, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in the spirit of giving credit where it's due, though, I will say the um, if you're not going to find room for an S Pen garage in the device, the casing, the case they came up with is probably the best implementation um, that I could think of. Like the new S Pen is small enough that you, they made a, a fairly thin case that doesn't really make the phone all that much thicker. And I used this on one of those, I think both of the uh, legs of the China flight. So I, I used it for like 30 hours in the air. And it taught me something that I think a lot of other people realized literally years ago. Um it taught me how little I actually do need to pop out the S Pen. And I, I'm yeah. starting to walk back my my thought that, you know, they will eventually have to find a way to integrate the S Pen into the device because I really don't need it. I think most people really don't need it. And those who do, I think, can probably put up with a case that doesn't make the phone too much of a brick. So I've gone back and forth about that. And it's like, I, I like, you know, for a long time, even recently, I felt like, hey, if you're going to make an S Pen... 
you you really should try to find room for it in the device. Um, but I, I think you're you're definitely hitting on something where it's like they have made a lot of the features so easy to use that you don't need the like the precision of the S Pen specifically to do whatever you're want, wanting to do. The phone functions more than well enough without it. Um, and so I and I also wondering like you know with you know a younger generation of uh, smartphone buyers who don't use a pen and pencil to write as much as like us olds <laughs> did. Uh, you know, do do they actually care about the S Pen as much as we do? Yeah, I feel like the S Pen is in one of these categories of sort of like semi-aspirational accessories. It's like, um, you know, you, you buy a device with an integrated pen. And if you're like me, you think like, ah, oh, this will turn me into a note taker. I'm not a note taker, but this, <laughs> right. will, this will do yep. that. Yeah, yeah. This will turn me into an artist. I'm going to start drawing right. a lot yeah, more now, like, too. It's like, oh, wait, no, I'm still the same exactly. person. And <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my, I still can, my, my stick figures look bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's similar to the whole, like, uh, I'm going to buy, uh, David Amell takes amazing photos with that $2,000 Fuji. I'm going to buy one of those, and then I will be a photographer. No, it, it's, it's, it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will I will point out that one of the things that uh, sucks about no longer having a live stream is that y'all, A, cannot see the thing that uh, Fisher was pointing out, uh, or the case. Um, and B, you can't see the the way his hair still doesn't move. Doesn't move. No, um, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's wind tunnel proof. That's for sure. Um, but yes, it, it, it's um, the S Pen does does feel like it's no longer as important of a feature on something like a Fold. And and if you want an onboard S Pen, there's always the S Series Ultra model that has them stowed away on board. I mean, RIP the Note line. Do we think the S Pen is maybe one day just meant to go away? Really quick deviation here, but is is it is it doomed? I don't like Sam. Do you have a, I, I I I don't know if doomed is the right word, but I, I think kind of to your point, I think it'll just kind of ri- ride off into the sunset. Uh, I mean, we we've kind of Samsung has kind of hinted at this slightly by like kind of getting rid of the Note brand, the Note yep. name, and so I think you know maybe. You know, they have done some internal research and analysis saying, hey, people aren't as thirsty for the S Pen as they were back in the Note, like, you know, the Note 1, Note 2 days. Um, and so, hey, maybe, like, at, at some point there will be just enough people that just don't care. So when it goes away, it's just maybe kind of goes away with a whimper. Yeah, I think um, that's a very sensible argument and maybe eventually it'll just it'll just evaporate but i think in the meantime you know all the work has been done the s pen is already the best stylus right. you can get on a mobile device especially the active ones that the fold satellite does not have you know with the camera remote control and all the bluetooth stuff so like you know it, it's it's a finished mature accessory that a subset of the users probably the ones who spend more uh, really appreciate and, and would miss. So as long as Samsung doesn't have to try too hard to integrate them into future phones, which they also know how to do, then I don't see them retiring it. You know, I mean, why would that, they do That's it? a good point. There, there's no reason for yeah, them to exactly. get rid of it. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what Samsung does in the future. I think that uh, what, what Sam mentioned about the uh, research that shows them that possibly newer generations of folks or, or who are coming to Samsung don't need the S Pen. It's the same research that told them to have a whole event called Awesome Squad. <laughs> Hi, Bay fam. Lit. Tribe. Crew. Iconic. Yes. That was the same yeah. oh, word. Um, but moving on to something that might be more, um, you know, suitable for the TikTok generation. I think the Galaxy Z Flip 5 we have talked about as the more exciting device and not because I'm a wannabe TikToker, but I think in large part because it's actually a significant change 
from the last version or the version that came before it. And I think this one seems like it was clear that Samsung saw competition coming. I think we saw on at least the Asia side of things that fold, like flip foldables with larger external screens were inevitable. And Samsung was like, we got to do this. We have to make it happen and did it. And in a way that um, I think was fairly well executed, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, Fisher, I mean, I have my thoughts on, on some of it, but you said you were excited. I want to know why. <sighs> so... I got really excited about the Razer Plus when it dropped, right? And mm, me too. Yeah, I'm sitting there uh, talking to, getting briefed with people and then talking to Motorola, um, uh, uh, just, just asking them every little question I could about the Razer Plus. And an observation escaped my lips at one point. I said, uh, you know, they were like, do you, so what do you think? Are you excited? I'm like, I, I am. I think you guys need to sell as many of these in six weeks as you can. Because if Samsung, right. <laughs> if Samsung comes out with the hardware that's been leaked, which looks very similar, and they let you run any app you want on the cover display, well, then I, you know they're you're in trouble. And I think after a week or two with the Flip Five, I think I think Motorola is probably probably in trouble. Um, I, I think there's a lot of there's this kind of red herring that a lot of us talk about because it's very annoying to get the Z Flip Five to let you run any app on the cover display. Yes, but thank you, you. Like you only have to do that once, you know. And people who don't want to run Google Maps on a 2.8 inch or 3.2 inch screen are not ever going to do that, so it doesn't matter. So once you get past that hurdle, which I think Samsung put there to prevent people from having a bad experience, um, it's great. And it does a lot better than the Razer Plus does in terms of fundamentals. So I, it's 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 a bummer because I have them both. I decided to, instead of doing a Z Flip 5 review first, I decided to do direct comparison, which is what I'm fi finishing yeah, filming today. that's what we did yeah, too. Yeah, and um, I personally prefer the Razer because of the charm, the flair. I think it's a little better looking. But the better phone... It, on several levels, I think is this is the Z Flip Five. You know, I had the same takeaway in that like there was a lot of hurdles, a lot of hoops to jump through to enable some of the the things. And and I talked to Sam about this good lock, which is what you will have to install to run uh, apps full screen on the outside display, which is by the way three point four inches this time. Um, it was tricky to find like which exact launcher within Good Lock also to install because the description is <laughs> kind of buried and you yeah. have to really find it. But once I did. It was surprisingly easy, and I almost cried it was so good. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I In my review, I wrote like at least three or four paragraphs about how much fun it is to run a tiny, tiny app. I will say that the Razer Plus and um, the Flip 5, I think, are tied in this aspect because they both let you run full apps. I think it's a little bit clunky on the Razer side of things, but Moto also designed those little like arcade games that you can play on that tiny little screen using the gyroscope and the accelerometer to move like a little ball through a maze that sort of thing cute very cute you could obviously install something similar on the flip five but i mean you know moto moto is trying i gotta give them credit well, plus for trying. The, the flip five also um, comes with stack bounce which is one of the, the google snackable games like the one i got obsessed with on the razor and the flip five also has that so yeah well there you stack go stack bounce uh, yeah, equality go ahead to your point like you were saying that like you know i i agree with you i think the the flip five is the better technical phone it has better cameras um, better battery life, um, and uh, it, it, I think the screen is just a little bit more well executed, just from a design standpoint. 
But like you're right. It's like those those heartstrings always have you tugging towards the razor because it's like you. I always think about the original, you know, the Razor V3, and it's like, <laughs> you know, this this evolution is like such a perfect fit for for the razor brand, the razor line. And it's like you you, you want to like it. And even some of the new stuff, like that vegan leather back on some of the on some of the models, is very nice. Like I don't I don't like using cases, and so. You know, having a slightly more durable uh, case, uh, uh, design that doesn't necessarily like scratch as well, but it kind of ages with the phone. I appreciate. You know, it. oh, go I, ahead, Shirley. Sorry, and I'll, I'll come in the back. Here. I was just going to say, I think that vegan leather or whatever the texture in front of the uh, Flip Five helps because this thing is a fingerprint magnet. This thing is disgusting. The Flip Five, I mean, is a fingerprint magnet. Um, but on the hardware side of things, I think uh, Samsung is clearly superior on the hardware front. You've got. Like slightly better cameras, but also the hinge, the dual rail structure helps, but it's always been the more sturdy hinge. I think I found that with the Razor Plus, like there's a little bit of looseness uh, (laughs) to the hinge. That's a comparison, yes. Yeah, this one moves real smooth. It's like this this solid thing of butter that you just slowly chop through, whereas the Razor is like half frozen, half melted, and it's like (laughs) shapong instead of you know, like a really good analogy, actually. Yeah. I, I try. It's like I do this for a living. Um, but when it comes to software, my point is, is that like there's little things to like about each. I think Samsung has great like little software things like the the, the open palm gesture for t- triggering a photo from, from far away. But Moto, to, uh, Sam has pointed this out to me before, has the chop gesture to launch the flashlight. You have the double twist thing to launch the camera. Not great for people who have mobility issues. And yes, you can replicate some of them on Samsung. But like it's kind of it's they they have their little things each that like on software I can't fault either of them. In fact, I want to fault Samsung for Flex Panel, but we will talk about that later. Uh, Fisher, I cut you off. You were talking about something. no. I it, it's I think there are a lot of categories where you can take these flip phones, you can put them against each other, and say like this one isn't necessarily better than the other. They're just different. Like a good one is the IP ratings. Everyone's always like, well, it's IPX8. It's way better because you can drop it in the toilet and it's rated for submergence. And <laughs> yeah, fair. Or, you know, if you drop it in a pool, like I I will not say that IP52 is better than IPX8, but two gets you rain resistance. And really that's what's going to happen most often to most people. So, okay, I can accept that. And you also get that five that that makes the phone dust tight. Exactly. And, you know, Samsung still relies on those brushes and the hinge to keep grit out. And that's, to be fair, has worked just fine in my experience for five generations. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's a little bit more peace of mind with a foldable to have it dust resistant. So that's, you know, almost equivalent. Then you've got the software things. You, you're, you're, you took the gesture example right out of my mouth, but that's exactly right. I was going to say, you know, um, I, my problem is that while they're feature, they're at feature parity in a lot of ways. The implementation of Motorola's design is just it, it's it struggles more often. The palm detection, the camera. Yes. You said it. Like you hold your palm up to the Samsung phone, it will take your picture. You hold your palm up to the Motorola phone, it's like if I'm in the mood. Once out of three times. <laughs> it's like oh, it's, it's like struggling to understand what you wanted to do. It's like, oh, okay, I thought this was a pretty simple gesture, Seriously. but maybe not. Maybe it's, oh maybe my, it's me. Yeah. I just came up with another analogy. The Moto, the Moto Razors behaves like the Diva I wish I was, whereas the like Samsung Z Flip 5 is the more like people-pleasing person <laughs> that I really am. I will, I will be reliable and consistent. Meanwhile, I aspire to be as flaky as the Razor <laughs> yes. Plus. No, I, it's quirky, right? Yeah, that's 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 what it is. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't need to be. And you know what I find frustrating about this is that the, the, this is not the case where Motorola 
is some new entrant to the space. Motorola literally right. started the foldable revolution. The Razer came first. It the, it was the first clamshell uh, flip phone as in the new in our new era, and it's Motorola has been doing this for longer than almost anyone if you take into account dumb phone history. So it's wild to me that Samsung is doing so much better in terms of the fundamentals. And that's not even getting to the, you know, your, the screen brightness. Like I love the Razer, but I, using it outside compared to the Samsung is it's hilarious. Um, it, it also runs hotter, you know, it's like, so it, it, I, I, I like comparisons where every category is like, one is not better than the other. They're just different. And now I'll tell you what kind of person should buy each one. This one is like, yeah, there's a lot of differences here, but also Samsung comes out ahead far too often to ignore. Yes. And and a very good point that also Sam has made before and a lot of other uh, commenters on YouTube videos of ours have made is that like Samsung is way more established. And, and you yourself has, have made this point, I think, Fisher, on one of our previous episodes in that when it comes to repairs, when it comes to durability, when it comes to fixing your phone if it breaks, Samsung is arguably the more reliable company or maker in this space because it's been around yeah. so much longer. Which I isn't mean, saying in, much in, that still least, just, just so many yeah, exactly. hell stories out there, but yes. So again, I think we go back to your point of uh, Motorola has probably sold as many Razer Pluses as it's going to in those six weeks. <laughs> and I don't think it's going <laughs> to... It, it would be lucky if people didn't just return them uh, and exchange them for the Flip 5. Well, I don't know. Like, I, you know, <laughs> the, Motorola is still... They're, they're, they're still scrappy and they still... They just started doing what that bundled deal where you got like a $300 pair of Bose earbuds for free with with a Razer Plus. Um you know, I, it, Motorola has also kind of come to parity with Samsung in terms of its uh, service and repair stuff. Like you can buy Motorola okay. service and repair packages now that you couldn't before for previous razors. And probably you still have to send them in. I don't know. I think uh, I heard that Best Buy is going to get in on phone service and repair now in, in the foldable world. I don't know if Motorola is getting in on that, but I know that there's some of the So like, yeah, I think as the category as a whole matures, these things will will kind of settle down. I don't think we'll be in a situation anymore where I break a Razer 5G and there are literally no options for me except to buy another $1,300 phone. You know, I think we just got to wait. But yeah, but Samsung is is ahead in that for sure. Now, I wouldn't, but would you, like, if you bought the Razer Plus, would you return it knowing what you know about the Flip 5 now? Because I don't think that I would. I think I'd still be pretty happy. They're, they're close right. enough. Like The difference is that I would never have bought the Moto in the first wow. place. Wow. Wow. Well, there's no accounting for taste, Sherlyn. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> what a B. I regret inviting you every day. <laughs> See, I would have I would have bought I would have pre-ordered the Razer Plus. Like that's that's just kind of me. I think uh, with a flip phone more than almost any other cell phone, you're buying more for what did I say? More for um style and feel than like speeds and feeds. So I think the Razer still has a, a big place. It, it just, you know what's so funny? They are identical in terms of thickness and the Razer looks so much thinner and feels so much thinner. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, it, when it's unfolded, when it's unfolded, it's a lot thinner, I gotta say. Oh. Uh, Sam, you were saying something, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I think I think this is something that like, maybe not everybody does, but like, I think, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, in, in our on our circle, definitely look for it, and, and we look for personality from these devices. And I think on a, on a personality, on a charm level, you said it before. 
there, there's something intangible about the what, what the razor is and like it's kind of pedigree that you, you just like you, you it kind of catches your eye and sometimes it catches you off guard and so you you appreciate it for what it is is it um, cuz and, and then and then the other thing is like I think this is like the the greatest example of like why we need more competition in the foldable space is because Samsung has clearly taken pages from having the Motorola Razr having a larger screen on previous versions and so they're finally getting on board that and I think now that even though that they may have not adjusted this cycle now that the uh, the Pixel Fold exists especially you know for outside of China hey Samsung is like now they're going to feel some pressure about that and so you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, we get some bigger changes on on the Z Fold line uh, in the future. Yeah, Fishery, I saw you holding up the two phones to compare them. And I, I was. I uh, <laughs> it, it's it's funny because I noticed the perceived thinness of the razor more when they're closed and not when they're open. When they're open, I notice a thing that I think bothers some people and not others. The razor it like opens to like. 189 point or 179.5 degrees. Like it's not quite. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Pixel Fold does that too. But with the Pixel Fold, you can kind of Weird. force it flat, and the razor is like, no, this is yes. as far as I go. Whereas the, you know, the Z Flip Five is just like, yeah, I open into mostly, mostly a candy bar. But I don't know. These are just little things. I mean, it's it it, it is funny. I think it'll be interesting to see to to build off your point um, in terms of competition, Sam. It'll be interesting to see. What happens with Vivo and Oppo, the only other two manufacturers who've made a flip phone with large cover displays? See if Vivo less so because they're not really releasing too much in the West, but Oppo to see if Oppo gets the memo that like, hey, yeah, you can build great widgets and that's awesome and fine, but a lot of us want the ability to use the whole phone while it's closed. So I really, really hope that um, this trend continues of. Being able to be a flip phone, yes, but also that can pull double duty as a tiny phone because a lot of people Absolutely. want tiny phones. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I've just been having so much fun reviewing this thing. Uh, I mentioned uh, to Sam earlier in that I have been playing puzzle games and I just review phones by playing games. And this thing doesn't run hot, which is like impressive to me. It doesn't run as hot as obviously the the, the Razer Plus Um which is, again, surprising. But also, it just has made me, in the name of reviewing this phone, take a lot of TikTok-style videos uh, and may or may not continue to do that with the Z Flip 5. I, I'm bummed we got the boring color, <laughs> but shit, I love this thing, man. Um, black. Oh, color. I got the mint. I asked for the mint version. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Samsung will be getting a strongly <laughs> worded email from me. Um, can I talk just because the TikTok thing is something I was going to mention before. Motorola is had the chance to be the better phone for exactly that buyer segment that you're talking about because they have that very clever software layer where if you're using Instagram or TikTok, you can still use the cover, to screen, cover display as a, as a preview. It's amazing. Until you set it down on a table and you bend it back a little bit so to, to, to point up at you from a tabletop. Just angle. And the yeah. minute it goes lower than 90 degrees, the razor's like, oh, you're closing me. Okay. And you're like, no, no, <laughs> this is why you built that. Why did, how did this ship this way? But that's, <sighs> yeah, that's part of the, that's part of the hinge being really terrible no, on the Razor Plus, no, I want to no, say. No, 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 I don't think so. It's, it's, no. It's, it, I think it's a mix of What, you things. think it's the sensor detecting and like there being no override for it? Because like, no, I can go, I can, I have the razor in my hand right now, listeners, and I like the dis- the main display is on. I can go but down almost to close before the 
hall sensor activates. Maybe I it's potentially they didn't just design their like maybe they they yeah, like you said, design a failsafe in the algorithm of the hinge like flex mode detection, right? Where it's like, oh, past a certain point or or like they didn't it wasn't sophisticated enough to understand like certain angles are open still and then the second it feels a little bit of a flex. That's exactly right? it. Moves, it. I don't like, but that see that that seems like a totally unforced error. This seems like something that is not they're not restricted by hardware. It's just like yeah, no, just no one thought to use it. It's one it's one of those optimizations that you can't like really put your finger on, but when you use it you're like, "Oh, it you're so right. close." I won't belabor the point too much. I just my thinking is that maybe the um system isn't sophisticated enough to understand like actual like certain numbers of angles it's open at as opposed to like a uh, a uh, close and open state. Like I think it's a greater like it's less levels that it can detect as opposed to Samsung, which seems to be able to I don't know. We should just ask. Um, like I I wanna know why this didn't We can yeah, we can probably uh, Yeah. I'll yeah, go ask. That's a- that's an interesting point because, like, when I talked to some of the Google uh, Pixel Fold designers, they talked a lot about posture and posture detection, which is like the angle of how you know how open or closed the tabs of the phone are. And it seems like they they understood that how important that was, and maybe Motorola didn't quite get the memo. And I did ask Motorola about some of these other things on the cover display, uh, like you know, what, there's no always-on display on the Razer. You can't set it to to always show the time in your notifications, like. I asked, and Motorola said they would have had to spend more money to 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 enable that. And I was like, "What? What? Like, it, it, they seem to suggest that the panel they chose is like doesn't have an AOD capability, or at least the way they've configured it. Maybe that has which sounds it sounds insane. crazy, but I mean, I didn't get the vibe that they were making that up. You know, they went and got that answer from people who knew. So I was like, okay, well, that's that's interesting. Um, but like, it's just another one of those little things. I like to have my phone. I don't like to have to touch my phone." to see if I have any notifications waiting. And the, the Galaxy C Flip. Yeah, and kudos to Samsung for finally giving <laughs> us more than the dumb orange yeah. dot. Is that what you're going to say? Oh, my God. No, I was going to yell at Samsung for other things that were like nothing to do with the functionality of his phone, actually. So I will say, I think Flex Panel is, uh, is nifty. I mean, I haven't used it, but I think that it's nice that you have to go in and enable it first before you like actually have to do really anything with it. I think it's nice that you can rearrange a lot of the settings now and put things within reach if you need them or not. I don't like the touchpad. It's still stupid. I like the touchpad. I, you can go. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can no, suck no, it. No. I, come buy me a drink. I will say the thing... <laughs> The thing that makes me angriest, no, I you owe me a drink. I the thing that makes me angriest about the the flip five, and this is a really stupid, stupid complaint that I have that has no bearing on the the device at all. Samsung decided to call this goddamn thing the flex window. And it's so annoying to me because it's the cover display. It used to be called the cover display. It's now called the flex window. The goddamn thing doesn't flex. Fuck. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> You you had a big rant about they're calling too many things flex over on the Samsung yes. world. Flex what? You you flex one more thing, Samsung. I'll come over and flex my bicep <laughs> on you. Like stop. It's a weird flex. And I was gonna so say. I'm I'm sure. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised you haven't gotten <laughs> up. Uh, gotten mad at Samsung for naming something the flex hinge when a hinge flexes. So that's basically yeah. an echo. That's it is an echo. I'm less upset about the echo because like sure whatever. That's like it makes sense. A fl- this flex window doesn't flex. <laughs> It doesn't. It does. it's, I mean, it flexes uh, in the sense that you can reposition the hand no, the screen you're is, using the outside screen. Stop. Stop. <laughs> you're making excuses for Samsung. I will flex your hair, Fisher. Uh, Try it. You owe me a drink. You owe me several. Actually, I do owe you a drink. Um, 
But any other takeaways uh, uh, from from the two foldables we saw from Samsung this week, uh, Fisher and Sam? Let's start with you, Fisher. If not, we can move on to the watches. Or yeah, you know, I think it, uh, it, it, it in the course of this conversation, it's 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 become clear to me that um, Samsung seems only willing to make big changes on one of its lines at a time. You know, I think we saw this from. Back when the Flip Three came out, you know that was um, that was kind of the the bigger headline at the time. Um, you know that then they kind of spent some time on the fold. Now they're back to, to focusing on the flip. So I, I don't know that that's the wrong strategy, especially when they're releasing both during the same time of year. And I, I think it it would be um, maybe prudent for Samsung to to consider splitting those launches a little bit and just kind of owning the whole foldable cycle by splitting them by by six months. Um, and that would it may even allow for better iteration on each line or more consistent iteration on each line. But yeah, it's too late for um, it's 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 overdue on the fold, especially. Yeah, I just like basically what you were saying. Like, I I want to see those product cycles speed up a little bit because we've had th- really three years of the same basic device and really kind of minor refinements. And I'm I'm not sure that like. And so my big question is like, you know, is Samsung treading water? But more importantly, how does this impact foldable phones as a, as a whole? Like, does this are people going to start losing interest in these devices because they're saying, oh, this is what they are, and they're not getting any better or getting any better? And I think that is, you know, a kind of concern to me. And once again, it, a lot of it goes back to price because, the, I, I like you and I, we use foldables all the time, and like it's been my daily driver for the last three years you know, some kind of foldable. And I want more people to experience what we experience and they can't because they're just too expensive. Well argued. I will say that like, I, I'm happy that there are other competitors now and that they are, the rumors and, you know, leaks uh, indicate that we, we will be getting more and more foldables as time goes on. So I'm, I'm not as worried about the category as I was back in 2020, 2021, where I was like, are these going to be a flash in the pan and then disappear? Now they That's seem fair, like yeah. they're here to stay. But yeah, we'll have to see what happens in terms of pricing. And I look forward to the Razer Minus finally coming to the US. It's I guess it's out in the UK, but the pricing is weird. Or in Europe, but the pricing is weird. So when it comes out here, we'll see if there's any appetite for cheaper flip phones. I'm excited about that. I know. And speaking of that, our review uh, of the Razer Minus, aka the Moto Razer 40 or whatever it is called outside of the US, uh, is up also. Uh, it's by Matt Smith and it was published on Monday. You can take a look at it. It's, it's Who, not, not coincidentally, is based in the UK. Uh, so yes. he had he had a first shot at that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he was very underwhelmed, by the way. I was getting ready to, I was like, I had my other phone in my hand ready to call Motorola. Like, what the hell? Oh, oh, it's not. Okay. It's, it's overseas. Oh, he's okay, in the UK. It. Okay. That's yeah, fine. So. Oh, you were mad we got something. You got the mint one. Gadget. Are you serious? <laughs> and gadget. No. Who are even they? Um, My no. That's okay. I, I I mentioned that we have a couple of other reviews going up uh, either this week or next. Uh, Galaxy Watch Six series as well as Galaxy Tab S Nine. We are still in the process of reviewing those two uh, product types, so we don't really have our thoughts for you right now. But it's okay. Go to engadget.com to read them uh, either end of this week or next. Uh, Fisher. I would like to say that this is the very last time we're going to have you on this show this year because we don't bring you back for anything but the photobols. But you did allude to some yeah, some upcoming uh, rumored products. Yes. And I was like... I was saying, are you sure we can't make an exception? Uh, <laughs> is he angling for an invite? You're angling for an invite back on Me? this show, Fisher. I know no, I, I was just like, wait, you guys aren't going to... Because 
I, I guarantee you, you're going to talk about foldables again before the year is out. Like that, it would. Oh be, yes, one hundred. Be hilarious if you didn't. <laughs> may, 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 are you just trying to get an invite again back on this show? Is that yeah, what it is? But <laughs> one of the things that my that really uh, benefits my schedule is when I uh, is when I can stop filming. So yeah, absolutely. No, I, it, it, I, I just I love talking to y'all, and um, I um, wish that we could do it more often. But Sam, just you were just saying it like. We're going to have a lot more foldables, so I think we'll be able to talk some more. Just generally excited for more competition, more devices to choose from, and more devices to compare and contrast. Yeah. Did you say that the the, the, the watch was bundled in with the things you're not done with yet, Sherlyn? I wasn't listening. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things we're, we're, okay. we're reviewing and we're publishing. Uh, All right, cool. Because I'm working on mine, too, and I just have a little frustration because the Galaxy Watch 6 is like is gorgeous, the 6 Classic in silver. Um, but unfortunately, my band came off in the uh, at Incheon oh. Airport, and mm. I can't get the pin right, so they had to send me another one, and they sent it. Oh, that, that one that one tap uh, mechanism not working yeah, for you? Yeah, it's, and it's like, guys, <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's a cool design, but... I mean, I'm worried that this is going to happen to more devices. Hilarious. Uh, we'll get into that, uh, but we don't have an episode next week. We'll get into that on our review, I'm sure. Hey, Fisher, as always, fun to talk to you. I don't know if I'll invite you back again because we've got to talk to more people than just you. I understand. We'll see. No, thank you. If people like you, they can tell me. <laughs> I'm so space-brained. I wouldn't like me today, but I like all y'all, and thank you for having me on despite my I think you're fine. Disadvantage. Yes. Where can people find you? Oh, God, who online? the hell knows? I stopped posting on social media. Um, now, Captain Two Phones is the number to call if you're in the <laughs> 90s on a radio call-in show. Oh my Son God. of a bee. Oh. Captain Two Phones. Captain the number okay? two phones. I'm not okay. And I make YouTube videos at the Mr. Mobile. T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E. And what else are you going to tell people? Not much. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see Oppenheimer tonight. Wish me luck. You're not gonna tell them to. You're not gonna tell them to stay something. Man, I gotta retire that tagline. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> you're never gonna do that. <laughs> stay freaky, my dudes. Um, stay mobile, my friends. <laughs> stay out of Brooklyn, people. <laughs> Well, that was fun. But moving on to some other news that is marginally less fun, I guess. I don't know. It could be it could be seen as fun. This week, though, we learned uh, Elon Musk said that X will pay for your legal fees if you get sued over something you said on X. I don't know how uh, how much like legal standing this has. Uh, I know I know Engadget kind of we didn't cover it. It happened over the weekend. Um, but yeah, e- Elon Musk tweeted or exited uh, over on August 5th that if you were unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. No limit. Please let us know. Sam, what was your initial reaction to this? This is all just like more of the Elon chaos. And it seems like, you know, his goal is basically he's trying to like push back against people who feel like they've been canceled for something they said on Twitter. Right. Um, uh, notably, I think uh, Gina Carano piped in and with a tweet and says, like, yep. hey, I might, be, I might be interested in that. Um, and it's just like, I, I guess he's on this crusade. And I guess part of this whole crusade is why he bought uh, Twitter in the first place is because he felt that there was some injustice being done on social media and that he was the crusader to come in and fix it. I just, I don't get what the whole end goal of this is. And I don't know how it's going to work out for any of these people. I feel like Elon Musk's end goal has been, always will be getting like controversy out there and being controversial and getting like people to talk about him. 
marketing, PR. That's his whole goal. He doesn't care really about the bottom line because what he's like several, well, 140 something billion. I forget his actual net worth now, but like lots of billions of dollars worth. Um, so he doesn't care about money, really. He doesn't care about your bottom line. If he yeah, wanted for sure. to, he, he, he could just... take a total loss on Twitter yeah. and he will be just fine. He, um, yeah. He will still have a hundred billion dollars just chilling. Uh, yeah. at least and, his and net he's, worth. he's really testing the limits of that. Hey, all PR is good PR, uh, even if it's bad. Uh, I guess he's really testing the limits of that philosophy, but I, I just don't get it. I guess when you have this much money, you, who are you afraid of really? Um, so I, and and that's probably also kind of what he's encouraging with this. Like you have the backing of one of the, if not the richest man in the world, and arguably one of the richest people in the world. Uh, go ahead and do whatever you want to say. Say whatever you want to say on this platform. Not realizing, I guess, or just ignoring the point that he has unfairly treated several employees from Twitter slash X, um, who have posted controversial thoughts about their company on Twitter. Like seven engineers who were criticizing Twitter on Twitter, Elon Musk straight up fired them, right? So, man, I, I, I the hypocrisy here. Elon Musk, more like he, hypocrisy Musk. I don't know. That did not work. Um, speaking of Elon Musk dodging things or being a little bit of a hypocrite, apparently he is getting an MRI this week uh, because he might need surgery. Before he can have any sort of cage fight with Mark Zuckerberg, the the fight of the century is being held up by this mysterious surgery. He says his exact date is still in flux. He's getting an MRI of his neck and upper back on August 7th, which was probably like Monday or Tuesday this week. We will find out this week, Sam, whether the fight will happen. What do you think? Chances on it happening? Look, I've said before, I really want this to happen. It will be the, the spectacle of the decade. That said, we were uh, some people were talking about this in in Gadget Slack, and uh, I apologize, I can't remember who said it, but this is like the perfect way to weasel out of a conflict that you think you might lose by paying by saying, "Oh, hey, I, sorry, I have a doctor's note. Can I be excused?" <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, okay. Uh, look, hopefully he he gets his MRI, he gets his body right because I want to see this happen, and I, but you know." I don't know. It, it seems it seems like why now? Like if you you you've been talking about this, Elon's been talking about this for weeks and months. W- why are you not training? Why are you not like trying to figure out? Hey, do I have some medical condition that would like legitimately prevent me from doing this? Or it's just like he doesn't really care. And like any like a lot of the things he's been doing recently, he hasn't kind of thought this all the way through. So yeah. I guess that's where it is. I mean, I also think that it's kind of funny that he's like, oh, oh, I might need to fight Zuck and Zuck's looking real, you know, brolic these days. I might need to like watch my upper back careful of any fatal injuries. I better get checked out first. Like it's a almost like a defensive measure too to be like, uh, am I even ready for this? It could be an excuse. It could be like the excuse doctor's note thing or whatever. It also could be like he's genuinely nervous about if he does physically face off with Zuck that he might come out worse for wear. There oh, might for be sure. serious damage done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, if you, like, as much as people like the clown on Mark Zuckerberg for, like, putting too much sunscreen on his nose while surfing or whatever, like, you know, if you're going to look, anyone who's looked at, like, a picture of these dudes, like, Mark Zuckerberg is shredded, and then uh, Elon Musk has the physique of what I would say is a tomato can. So, like, (laughs) I I mean, obviously, like, I think uh, Elon Musk is still taller and might have a reach advantage in a fight, but, like, you know, these are not necessarily train combatants even though you know zuckerberg has been you know doing uh uh brazilian jiu-jitsu 
So, hey, you know, we'll see if, like, size versus training, like, actually makes a difference uh, in what is supposed to be more of an amateur-style fight. Who knows? I I mean, we're still hoping it'll happen despite all the back and forth on it. I think Zuck is ready whenever, it seems like. I will say the whole sunscreen thing, I mean... I think I think having a long term wife in your life probably helps you take better care of yourself. I think putting I was gonna say as the right? as the skin expert queen around here, uh <laughs> I, I figured you you would you would probably give him a pass for even yes. maybe going a little bit overboard on the sunscreen. I support it. I recently discovered my sunscreen wasn't doing sh- enough shit for my face. So I, I support the whole mineral cast thing. Look, you should rub it in, sure, but is he's at least protected? Yes. More protected than me, perhaps even. More protected. Possibly than Elon Musk. Um, bringing the topic back all to like this surgery, this mysterious surgery. If he gets an MRI of his neck and back, what what surgery thinking? What dorsal fin implants? Like what's he? What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I am not a doctor. It could be uh, a multitude of things. You know, he could have like you know a, a weird disc in his back, or you know some sort of strain or shoulder tendon, or maybe he has been training and he you know he messed something up while he was training. It could, it could be anything. That's that's just kind of why what makes the the whole excuse seem even more weasley. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, look, we respect his medical privacy. Obviously, HIPAA laws and everything are in place. We don't, he doesn't owe us anything about what he is saying. We're just saying this is a little mysterious and a little the, bit the, vague. The timing's a little suspect. It's a little bit sus. Uh, maybe he's been sitting at a chair for way too long trying to tear uh, ex a new. Or their threads, a new one. Yeah, actually. I mean, and he he famously <laughs> says that like he he likes sleeping at the office because he's a workaholic. Hey, you know, sleeping on the floor or you know even a couch can't be good for your back. Yeah, uh, maybe that's why he needs an MRI. We can speculate forever, but we won't know uh, for real until or on maybe if uh, Elon Musk decides to share it. again. He doesn't owe the public anything. This is his own information. It's just fun to speculate. Um, but speaking of the X versus Threads debate, there are some updates coming in Threads land, including a potential web version and a search function coming to Threads in the next few weeks. I personally am mad hype. I mean, if I could have Threads open in a browser tab and just look at it more, I would absolutely post more on Threads. Um, and these are two, obviously, of the most requested features. I think the search function would have helped had uh, you know Threads had it during the time of Donald Trump getting his indictment handed to him on those four counts or three ca- four counts of the Gen 6 uh, Capitol Hill uh, situation. So everybody would have been on there talking and memeing, and that was really a missed opportunity. And maybe now, at least in the next few weeks, threats should be poised to handle or be that sort of public forum that exists it will be. Um, threats also now this week added the ability to share posts directly to Instagram DMs. So threads may not have DMs within it yet, but you can share threads to people in Instagram. It's so convoluted. I'm sorry. Why do I want to Instagram DM someone a thread post? I know this is not at all you, Sam, because you don't use Instagram. I don't know if you're on threads, but it's convoluted, right? Like it's a lot of steps. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, so the whole thing about getting people to adopt threads because they already had an Instagram account was good because, it, you know, it brought a whole bunch of users. But now, yeah, like you said, it's getting convoluted. I don't want to have to open two different apps to message people. And it's just like, and, you know, I have, it seems like they're, you know, they're kind of trying to build momentum. But based on the past history with the Instagram app itself, 
I don't have the most faith in Meta because for a long time, Instagram was severely deprecated on Android and didn't have feature parity with the iOS app. And then on top of that, like they wouldn't let you upload uh, stuff to Instagram from the desktop, which is like Instagram was a, originally, and no, it's not really as much anymore, but it was just a pure photo sharing app. And it's like, if you're a photographer of any seriousness, you might, you're probably editing on a desktop and you want to upload photos from a desktop. You couldn't do that without some special workarounds. They've have fixed that since, but this was like, this went on for multiple, multiple years. And it's just like, so we'll see, you know, if, if threads gets a web version and then they get like a, a desktop client, uh, like uh tweet deck or X pro, whatever they're calling it now, this is all good. And, you know, hopefully, you know, threads becomes a more featured social media app. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, they came out with threads to capitalize on the instability with uh, Twitter, and now they're trying to build it out in a way that, like, oh, hey, we actually have a full-featured social media app, which clearly they don't have just yet. I think, I think though, that, like, Instagram was kind of right to bet on mobile for a while there. I mean, the the whole not uploading from desktop, I, it was annoying. I get it, especially back in the for day. For sure. I, I'm just, I'm just yeah. like, sitting back here, armchair, like, strategizing, and it'd be like... Meta, one of the richest companies in the world, doesn't have a couple extra developers that they can throw on this project. And, you know, I'm not like, look, focus on mobile. Absolutely. Like mobile is where it's at. Mobile, you know, even for like in Gadget, most of our uh, traffic comes from mobile. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you are a service who is supposed to cater to photographers or sharing photos, throw us a bone. It's all I'm asking. Yeah. How far away has uh, has Instagram left that that initial focus? Right, it wasn't really catered. It was maybe it was a photography space. Now it's just influencers everywhere. It's, it's a brand building oh. app to me. Oh, uh, I will say that Meta has seems to has seemed to kind of uh, bring some receptiveness to feedback on the Instagram side. I think we would have seen fewer of these changes that have come recently had Meta not taken the helm or taken over because like, oh, we we now can upload pictures from the web client of Instagram. Uh, and, you know, we, we moved away from square only format to a more mobile friendly vertical like uh, aspect ratio. So there's, and there's options now. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think it bodes well for threads that these changes are coming. That it seems like Meta and Instagram are open to integrating these features that people have been asking for. I think some of them are still clunky and awkward. I think that, you know, <laughs> sharing a post from threads to Instagram DMs is a nice thing to have, but not the most seamless way of sharing. Give us DMs on threads. If you want to take on Twitter, if you want to take on X, you need to become the place they used to be where people could DM celebrities on a public forum or or message. But I get grand scheme, not the most yeah. high priority. That picture. said, I mean, maybe there is a tiny bit of light at the end of the tunnel because, hey, if we move a lot of the conversations over from Instagram to threads, Maybe that lets Instagram become more of a photo first app again, which actually sounds pretty uh, like a good change for me. Yeah. Focus on photography and and aesthetic things on Instagram and then personality characters and influencers on threads. I like that. Uh, Speaking of adding things to like DM related features or, you know, threads sharing to Instagram DMs, Slack. Remember Slack? Can't forget it. Use it every day. Slack, the the professional chat app, I guess, the business-oriented chat app, is getting a new look this week. Um, apparently, the new look started rolling out on uh, Wednesday yesterday, but most of us don't have it yet. Uh, it is getting a redesign that's helping people stay focused 
uh, and get things done by streamlining the interface, most obviously by putting all DMs in a separate tab. I don't know if, if you are familiar with Slack, you'll know that you you know your channels are all up top and then your you know direct messages with people or here in, in Gadget, we call them side channels. Uh, they're all you know at the very bottom of this column of things you have going on. And that makes them hard to get to or find. And it's also really annoying for when like you have unread uh, indicators and you just like see unread and any number of people could have messaged you and is throwing out that unread symbol. Um, Sam, I know you haven't, at least when we last talked about this, you hadn't seen this redesign yet, have you? It hasn't rolled out on either the mobile version or the desktop client for me just yet. Um, but I, you know, I like the changes in theory because one of my big pet peeves about Slack is that the DMs, Slack will just randomly close some of your DMs mm -hmm. and then you have to mm -hmm. open them up again. And it's like, there are like, you know, a handful of people that I need to talk with on, our, on a daily basis. But if I open up too many DMs, it'll just close some of these at random. And then I have to go and open them up again. It's like, okay, if I can just hit a tab and have all my like ongoing DMs in one place, that's great. And it looks like, you know, on the main desktop uh, app still, you will still have a section for, you know, recent DMs uh, at the bottom of all your channels and stuff, which I think is really nice. I, I, I mean, I think that this is going to make me less participative or uh, whatever on the rooms, right, channels. Whereas like in DMs, that's what I'll have open the most. And to your point where like they do randomly close uh, messages you have with people, like um, I think it's based on time of like amount of activity. Like if you haven't talked to someone in a week, they close that DM or something. So like I arrange my DMs by having a category for always open and then people who I talk to sporadically, right? Like I know different people arrange their Slack. Yeah, but it's just like, it's one of those extra steps that you like probably don't really need to do. Um, it'd be nice if you didn't have to. Yeah, but this this uh, redesign isn't just about the tabs. It's got a, a kind of, you know, more friendly look to it. It doesn't look as, I don't know, corporate-y. These pictures on Engadget.com that I'm looking at seem... Um, almost cartoonish. I don't hate it, uh, but it certainly will be a visual change. So if you're out there using Slack for your work or, you know, you can use Slack for personal reasons too, um, changes are coming and they might be good. They kind of seem Discord-y, which I guess RIP Discord, I haven't used Discord in ages, except to talk to you in our Jersey City group. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Sam. so like, it's, it's kind of interesting because I think Discord has like really become like the default like messaging app outside of work because you know it, especially if you're a gamer mostly for gamers because like a lot of gamers will already have a discord and that it's so easy but like you know anytime you like you know if you go up and look at a youtuber that's like oh hey come and interact with us with uh with us on our discord they're not telling you to go to like a website or anything like that and so it's like it's become kind of ubiquitous and so for them to be like stealing some look and design and features from discord i think it's an interesting about face for slack i don't i don't like know about um i mean we've used discord a little bit for engaging with the engadget community we've got an engadget discord just because when slack fails we go to discord my preferred messaging app is still telegram to be very clear um sure. i find it the easiest yeah and we also have <laughs> the engadget Telegram. So. Yeah, I, I think I think they just serve different purposes. Telegram is like as a pure messaging uh, service is is great, um, very easy to use. But you know, as our producer Ben just said in in our call, he's like, Discord is uh, Slack for gamers, which absolutely it is because you have a couple more 
added features of like being able to stream and like host stuff um, a little bit easier on that as opposed to Telegram. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I, I get it. Um, <laughs> a welcome for this change. And like looking at some of these like pictures, I can't tell if it's just like because we're looking at the Mac OS version of it, but it has a very Mac OS look and feel with like very like smooth edges, rounded corners, uh, you know, gradient uh, style uh, to the UI. So I don't know. We'll see how that looks, but it doesn't look bad. I know it doesn't look bad. It looks uh, it's different. It's something to adjust to. Um, I yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see whenever we do get it. I don't think it's going to impact actually my use of Slack for the most part. I'm going to be avoiding Slack like the plague anyway. So there we you, go. You use the you use the web version, don't you? I do. I oh, do, and I I think that might I never get changed. I, that's like the one of the app, one of the apps that I cannot do the the mobile version of. It's it's pretty bad. Uh, but Slack used to be really really crap. Like it would be so laggy and off when I think they've improved over time. But anyway, um, I, yeah, I I will talk to people on anything. Discord, Telegram. I just screw WhatsApp. If you're a friend on WhatsApp, you will never hear from me. You maybe hear from me once a week. I I apologize to my family because that's what we talk on, um, and I avoid it. Um, moving on from Slack, which is very work based, is something a bit more fun. In fact, the next few uh items on our other news section is all about fun. Netflix has released a game controller app for iOS. And this will allow you to play games, I believe, on your big screen by using your little screen as a controller. They just don't really uh, make it clear just yet what games will be supported. But I will... I mean, remember last week or two weeks ago when I recommended people play the Triviaverse game on Netflix? I wouldn't be surprised if it is for this sort of game. I, I I also have talked about playing the Too Hot to Handle game on my phone, uh, and it's a Netflix game. And if I were to play that on the big screen with my phone, cool. I will say that currently when I'm using my remote, my Google TV remote, as a controller for the trivia game, I can see how like it is kind of limited, right? You're limited to the like D-pad. Whereas on an iPhone screen, you could have all kinds of touchscreen options. You could, you know, all have more gestures and stuff like that. Um, I know you don't quite play games on Netflix, Sam, because you have an actual console or two. But would you? Would you play Netflix games had you if you had a separate dedicated controller on your phone? So, I mean, that's, that's like, I guess it kind of depends on your age, I feel like, because I think for older people, like, I just, like, prefer physical controls. I will avoid touchscreen controls whenever possible. So if you make me play a game, I will try to figure out how to add a real gamepad, a physical controller support to it, uh, and I'll go from there. So this feature isn't necessarily for me, but, like, actually, you know, if looking over some of, like, Netflix's, like, games that they've been, like, you know, you get access to if you're a Netflix subscriber, uh, Into the Breach is, like, a, an incredible game uh, made by the people who made FTL, uh, is really awesome, and... I've been playing a Terra Nil recently, which is a kind of very relaxing kind of eco. You're kind of fixing the world by, uh, you know, growing flowers and, you know, uh, arranging rivers and stuff like that. And it's very soothing and relaxing. And so both of those games are available for anyone who has a Netflix subscription. Uh, so check those out. I personally am not going to get a, a lot of use out of this controller, but hey, that's just me. I look at the titles that like uh, Netflix already had. You mentioned a couple of them. There's also Oxen Free, uh, Oxen Free Two Lost Signals on Netflix, uh, and coming to Netflix in the in in the upcoming months are Monument Valley, uh, Paper Trail, Storytellers. There's also an Assassin's Creed game that is in the works, and a port of Lego Legacy Heroes Unboxed. So 
I mean, I would become a real gamer, wouldn't I? If I started playing those games uh, and I have an iPhone, I could download this app. I could start playing. The problem for me is I would want to be watching Netflix while playing those games because that's I'm a two-screen person. I have to have my two screens. So if Netflix offers a split-screen option where on the left is Squid Game and on the right is Squid Game the Game, man, what a world that would be. Um, elsewhere, uh, in, in, in an update to news that we covered last week, Mr. Beast, remember when we talked last week, Sam, about his suing his com- his burger company or something like that? They're, they're counter-suing him right back. Uh, does this surprise you? No, because uh, Mr. Beast was not very friendly with uh, what the things he had to say about um, virtual dining concepts. And uh, and it looks like he uh, virtual dining concepts is claiming that they have been material damaged, uh, materially damaged, which I guess is defamation of some sort. Um, and that they're seeking over $100 million in damages, which that's a lot of money. Um, I don't even know if uh, Mr. Does Beast has that, that kind of money. Yeah. yeah, I'm not even sure he has that kind of dough. But look, this is going to clearly be a big fight between them because, you know, on one hand, you have this, uh, you know, big YouTuber who, you know, licensed out his brand to a, basically one of the bigger ghost uh, truck kitchens around. And, uh, he feels that they weren't, uh, you know, doing his brand justice, uh, and now the brand is mad because they talked shit about them. So, <laughs> I guess I guess that's where we're at. I just think it's so funny. They're both like, "You damaged my reputation." No, you damaged my reputation. I'm suing you for over a hundred million dollars. No, I'm suing you. No, I just can't. Um, I, I, it's this isn't really core and gadget news, but I think keeping an eye on this has been very fun. Um, yeah, I was gonna say VDC in their countersuit, they claim. This case is about a social media celebrity who believes his fame means that his word does not matter, the facts uh, that the facts do not matter, and that he can renege and breach his contractual obligations without consequence. Uh, he is mistaken. Those, those, those sound are, like fighting words to me. Yes. Um, those are fighting like, words that Elon Musk never had the guts to say. <laughs> and, and so it's interesting. I guess it's like what they wanted to is like if Mr. Beast wasn't happy, then he should have just ended his contract and not said anything publicly. Um, I, I guess is what they would have liked to to happen. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how far this goes because basically he was a client and he you know the the people he hired to you know make some burgers first for his fans he was not happy about it and he said so. Um, I don't. I'm I'm very curious to see how this how, how what kind of an effect this has because he's basically you know criticizing a company because he didn't like their work. Right. You have to imagine, like, I, here's, and this is more commentary on influencer and social media star culture at large, but I wonder if Mr. Beast or Jimmy Donaldson had thought the first step could have been just to go straight to the company and be like, hey, there are some things that seem not right. Can we do some quality control? Can we go through the, you know, proper, so-called proper channels instead of jumping straight to a lawsuit and publicizing all of these things? Like, whether there was maybe internal discussion beforehand, is that is that something you think happened, Sam? Because I... My, yeah, I mean, I, mean yeah. I have to imagine all of this comes out in the court settlement, you know, throughout discovery and, you know, presenting evidence. It's like, you know, how much did, uh, you know, Jimmy say to VDC before filing his suit and before making these comments uh, online? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And and the thing I was going to say about this being commentary on influencer and social media star culture is that, like, 
people are getting a little bit too empowered to do whatever the hell they freaking want. Because you look at people demanding free food because they think they're food influencers or demanding or asking for free stays because they think they're going to give a company exposure on their social media with maybe a thousand followers. They're like, I will retweet pictures of your lovely hotel room if I can stay for free. Like what? What entitles you to this stuff? I could go on forever, but that's all I see. Um, on Reddit, people complaining. I'm on our choosing beggars and all of that stuff. I'm seeing so. Uh, it's just not not that I don't like Mr. Beast, and not that I think Mr. Beast is doing this right specifically because we don't actually know the details of how it happened yet. But I think that giving individual people the power to get all this exposure and control this in, in such a large scale has kind of caused people to not re understand how things work. Uh, and we're losing a lot of checks and balances that used to be in place, maybe. Um, so we will follow, I guess, just the general state of social media and influencer culture. Moving on, I think, to like another fight, another legal battle, uh, sort of in our space. Uh, we heard this week about Dan Ackerman, who is the current editor-in-chief at Gizmodo. Um, he is or has filed a lawsuit uh, this week on Monday in Manhattan Federal Court. Uh, and his claim is that Apple, the Tetris company, and others have adapted his book called Tetris into a feature film without his permission. We, I, I have interacted with Dan uh, in person. I was actually on last weekend or something. I was at a... a drinks thing and he was also present i didn't really even talk to him so i'm gonna like kind of sit back in this discussion a little bit i have thoughts that probably not good for any ongoing legal <laughs> uh suit to talk about uh but sam i what what were your thoughts coming to this i have general thoughts about like whether anyone owns tetris if anyone did yeah so i mean just a bit of background uh so in, in is it kind of weird because some of the um headlines around this has been a little bit misleading because i say uh, Gizmodo, EIC, Dan Ackerman sues Tetris Company and Apple. And it's like, yes, he is the current EIC of Gizmodo, but uh, he wrote this book back in 2016. And back then he was working for CNET. So I'm not, you know, the, the Gizmodo ties, like, you know, sure, that's where people know him as now. But, you know, he was back at, uh, he was at CNET back then. Anyways, you know, he wrote the book, uh, Tetris Effect. And, you know, his claim is that because he took a different approach to the book, um, in that he treated it more like a, a spy, um, a spy novel and, you know, focused more on the characters and not necessarily as much on the game itself. Um, and that's kind of what, uh, you see in the, uh, Tetris movie that, uh, was put out by Apple. And so he's claiming that because, Hey, he sent the book to the, uh, CEO of the Tetris company, you know, they were aware or very much at least had, a copy of the book and may have been, you know, used some of the information in the book to inform the script. Now that said, the Tetris company did not write the script. Um, that was, you know, written by someone else. Uh, and Apple, you know, released the movie. Um, but it's really, it'll be interesting to see basically the, the, the burden of the proof is really going to be on Ackerman's legal team to really make sure that they can prove that, Hey, yes, they stole material. And that's going to be very difficult to prove. I feel like, um, and, 
So we'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, Ackerman has been, you know, he's a big gamer, has long time been in like the, uh, you know, game critics circle uh, in, in the New York City area. And so, you know, he, he loves this game and he loves Tetris. And so it's really interesting to see that like now he's trying to, you know, I guess in his opinion, try to get money from what he thinks was stolen from him. We'll, we'll see how that goes. It looks I... like... I was saying in, in the suit, he's claiming for three percent of the production budget uh, to to go to him, and uh, sorry, actual and comp- compensatory damages in the amount of three percent of the total production budget of the Tetris film, along with punitive damages equal to three percent of the total production budget of the film right. as well. Right. So total of about six percent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what the yeah that's what I saw um, uh, on the Reuters report that uh, yeah the Ackerman is asking the court for monetary damages equaling at least six percent of the film's eighty million dollar production budget. I am also uh, looking at the complaint uh, that Reuters uh, was referring to, uh, and yeah, there's a there's a few things here, right? The the statement here, the complaint, uh, Ackerman says that. The book took a unique approach to writing about the real history of Tetris as it not only applied the historical record, but also layered Ackerman's own original research and so-called, and quote from the thing, I would never say this, but uh, layering his own original research and ingenuity to create a compelling narrative nonfiction book in the style of a Cold War spy thriller. Um, I have yet to watch this movie, so I don't know how like, you know, similar it is to this book. I also haven't read the book. It's on um, my list, and everyone who I've heard uh, watched it said it was pretty good. Uh, it apparently has an 82% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so n- not a bad yeah. score at all. I just wanted to say that this, uh, this uh, I know, like, legal complaints have to be very, like, you know, written to to show, like, ex- ex- exceptional ability or whatever, right? So, like, point number three in this, like, complaint, the preliminary statement. Mr. Ackerman's literary masterpiece, unlike other articles and writings, dispelled of the emphasis on the actual gameplay and fans and instead concentrated on the surrounding narrative, action sequences, and adversarial relationship between the players. I, 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 I write, I would never call anything I wrote a literary masterpiece, but again, I get that this is, like, a like a legal thing where you have to demonstrate that the like quality of your work is so great that someone stole it and therefore you deserve this much money, I guess. Um, anyway, not that we're going to like, again, say, it's, a, it's a good thing. There's no uh, legal uh, claim for hyperbole because I don't, I don't know if a uh, literary masterpiece is quite the level that we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, I mean, we aren't actively covering uh, this necessarily. We're not going to follow it day by day. It's just an interesting thing to happen uh, to a, a like entertainment, uh, a piece of entertainment, but that also kind of crosses over into gaming, which is Tetris, as well as tech media, which is Dan Ackerman. Like, there's just a lot of like interesting inflection points in this story. Um, so, anyway, if you have thoughts about anything we talked about in other news this week, whether you'll use the Netflix controller app, whether you liked the Tetris movie, send us your thoughts. Podcast at Engadget.com. Moving on to what we're working on this week. Uh, For me, I was supposed to have the week off, but I had to cancel it to do work. So I guess F my life and I'm trying to work on taking next week off. How about you, Sam? What are you working on this week? Yep. uh, Finally getting around to uh, writing up my review for the Lenovo Yoga Book 9, which is their wild dual screen laptop. Yeah. And uh, Secret, I kind of like it. It has a lot of rough edges. Okay. But as, as you know, you'll, uh, just wait for the review. I'll get into some of the finer points uh, for that. But I, I definitely, you know, 
you know me, like I, I like foldable phones. So I, it's probably not a big surprise that I also like a dual screen laptop. Um, and I, I think it actually does have a place in the world. That said, it's definitely 100% not for everybody. How would you type um, on that thing though? It's a touchscreen. It, there's a really I do not like. Gesture. There's a really neat gesture where you put uh, eight fingers down on the bottom screen and a virtual keyboard appears. It's surprisingly not bad. It really isn't. Okay, well, we'll have to see, but go on. You're there's here. also some other fun stuff that I can't quite talk about yet, um, but, you know, if you are, have been paying attention to the news, uh, IFA is coming up. There are some also other events coming up, so maybe stay tuned for some news around that, uh, you know, when it happens. We will keep an eye out. Uh, elsewhere at Engadget, uh, we have some interesting pieces going up this week. Uh, I'll just quickly shout out Billy Steele's uh, review of the Kamado Joe Connected Joe. This is a smart grill that is not a pellet grill. Uh, I edited this and was very hungry throughout because Billy talks about the long, slow barbecues as well as some like fast grills. I don't know. I barely cook. On the I, 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 was, I was so jealous because I knew I knew <laughs> Billy was working on this review and I live in the city and I don't have room for a barbecue. And so I can't, you know, do get one of my own. And I was just like he was like, tell me, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be doing some uh, some testing tomorrow. I'm just going to, you know, a barbecue, a brisket. Yep. And then I, I, you know, I got some ribs like planned for the day after that. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Uh, very, very jealous. Uh, and Billy lives very far away. And so we cannot yep. have any. Uh, we cannot make. Sad. Yeah, we cannot all partake in this beautiful testing that he's doing. All these delicious grills he's doing out in North Carolina. Um, maybe one day we will. But uh, that's Billy's piece if you're interested in getting yourself a smart grill for your backyard or wherever in your outdoor space. Go take a look. He kind of likes it. He seems to really like it. Um Also, Katie Malone, our security reporter, published a piece this week called Tech Companies Are Selling Your Privacy Back to You. It's all about marketing and ads and your data data privacy around that. Truly just disgusting stuff to me. But Katie has a, you know, positive takeaway at the end of our stories. Take a look. And finally, Andrew Tarantola, our AI um, reporter, has a piece up about why humans can't use natural language processing to speak with animals. Uh, we, as humans, we speak about 6,500 languages and even all of them are easier to translate than what animals convey. Um, and I never thought about this. I never thought I would Dr. Doolittle my life, but, uh, here we go. I, and I was reading the piece and it's just like, I just like a really fun way of looking at like, Hey, here are the challenges. Because I think at some point we may get to the point where we can talk to animals. And that's like one of like, that's the premise of like thousands and thousands of stories back in the day, Dr. Doolittle, whatever. Um, And it's just like, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of challenges and I think Andy does a really good job of highlighting it. And it's like I said, it's just a really fun read. Like some of, some of the subhebs and like, even like the lead image for the story are just like very amusing. I just, I, yeah, I mean, that's amusing too. I mean, look, Sam, of all the superpowers that people could have, talking to animals is not one I want. That's the Aquaman of of superpowers, right? Like, listen, he talks to fish. I do yeah, not sure. need. I, if I were to talk to animals, I'd be like, cockroach, bug off. You know, lanternfly, kill yourself. Well, I uh, mean, this is this is also a you thing because you kind true. of hate all animals. Um, don't tell everyone. I don't hate all animals. I just don't really. Uh, this this is a well known fact that you especially hate bugs, but even like. <laughs> yes. What most people will consider cute furry creatures, you're also kind of detest. Uh, and so like, th- like, this does like, not surprise like me. Like raccoons or like uh, uh, Squirrels, skunks. chipmunks. I mean, just find squirrels scared. I mean, they're jittery. 
But now I'm okay. I've seen enough of them in our in our neighborhood now, Sam. That I'm like, all right, I'm fine with it's gross. They're okay. And I get by the scared. Way, how, if- how are you? I was gonna say. By the way, how are you doing with lantern fly season? Uh, in, in I've the killed quite a few. I have quite killed quite a few now. Uh, today I was stomping out a few too. It's yeah. It's I don't like it, but whatever. Um. Anyway, what my ideal superpower, if uh, not is not talking to animals, it would be to create a force field around myself, uh, that would keep odors out. It would be temperature climate controlled, and it would be like you know full of AC, and it would keep me from germs. It would keep out germs as well. Uh, and maybe I would go invisible in this little orb too. So I don't know. So Sam, what's what you're your saying is you want to be a bubble boy. Yeah. Or girl bubble boy or shark girl, bubble girl, bubble girl or shark girl. I don't care. Okay, that's not what the it, power I would pr- I would pick. But hey, you know you do. What's you. yours? What's yours? I, uh, probably it's it's a really lame answer, but probably teleportation because I like traveling. I'd rather fly because teleportation feels like you will decompose and recompose your like entire being to go to places. At least if you think about the well, science. Now, okay, now you're getting into the physics of it all. But okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Just a quick shout out to people. If you have thoughts on what your superpower is going to be, if it's not Dr. Doolittling things, send us your you know ideas at podcast.engadget.com or we're still on social media. You can hit us up there too. Uh, moving on to our pop culture slash entertainment picks this week. Another FML from me. I just haven't like been, you know, doing a lot. I've been rewatching Supernatural on Netflix again just because. Um, but in my spare time, and as I've been testing the Galaxy Z Flip 5, y'all know I like to install a new dumb game for every new phone review. And so this time around, my new dumb game was good sort. Um, and I, I like it. It's fun. It's a puzzle game. It's matching three things on a shelf and getting rid of them in a row. It's like jackpot. No, wait, slots. What's jackpot? What did I say? Oh, jackpot is like lottery, right, Sam? Sorry, my Singapore. You, you were asking me to answer questions in your own head, and I'm, <laughs> I, I can't help you with that. I, my brain is broken, okay? This is this is 10 straight weeks of needing a break. All right. Um, so yeah, Good Sword is a fun game. The ads are annoying, but I've learned that if you learn to embrace the ads, they're actually not so bad. I'll just use them as a cheat code, put them aside for 30 seconds and gain the reward and then win the level. So it's fun. Sam, tell people more about what's actually worth their time. I'm not sure it's well, okay. I'm not sure if it's worth their time, but I've been really enjoying it. I've, I've, I'm two episodes in now to Twisted Metal. Okay. And it's not your classically like great video masterpiece of a show, but it's really entertaining. I think Anthony Mackie is doing a great job of like uh, uh, his performance. He's doing, he's giving it at all. He's doing his best. And then uh, you have Will is Arnett. He the clown? Who, no, Will Will Arnett is the voice of Sweet Tooth, the clown. And like they're they're doing a pretty good job of trying to stay faithful to the show. You know, you have. Sweet Tooth the Clown with his ice cream truck with the machine guns on it. And you have Anthony Mackie who drives around in like a modded up uh, Impreza. And it, it looks really good. You know, there's little shots of them drifting. But, you know, they really actually get into some of the characters. And it's it's like bombastic and uh, hyper-violent and grin, uh, grungy and dirty and aggressive in all the ways that like you kind of want from a Twisted Metal show. And yes, it is a video game show, and so sometimes it feels completely over the top. But hey, that's what Twisted Metal is, so I actually think they kind of nailed it. Do we need a Peacock subscription for it? Yes? Uh, yes, you do. Oh, okay. All right, all right. What else, Sam? Uh, I also finally saw the Mario movie. Uh, I have a kid, so it's hard to go, you know, young kid, it's hard to go out to the movie theaters. And I finally saw, saw it, and it's it's fantastic. The pacing is, like, extremely frenetic. 
Um, but the movie's only an hour and a half, and it's for kids, so I'm not going to get too hung up about that. And a lot of the references, like, they just crammed in the references, and some of them feel a little bit forced. But overall, it's like, there are just, like, so many, like, uh, really touching moments. Uh, Toad is awesome. Uh, you know, I think uh, Chris Pratt may have, like, uh, phoned in uh, his performance of Mario a little bit. and But, you know, overall, I thought it was extremely enjoyable. And if you like Mario at all, you will like that movie. Um, I was about to ask you what you thought of all the voice acting because there was a lot of controversy around Chris Pratt, obviously. I actually think the whole decision to not do the extremely, like, stereotypical Italian accent was actually, like, probably a good move because I think listening to someone talk like that for an hour and a half would probably get a little grating. Uh, also, bless Jack Black for uh, just going all out on his performance. Uh, you can tell he was, like, really trying. Uh, and so he he definitely holds that movie together. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, right. it's great. All right. Speaking of not being able to get into theaters, Sam, I can't wait to till the Barbie movie is out on streaming and I'm going to come over to your place to watch it with you, your wife, and your kid. Okay, sounds good. And with that, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. A quick note that we are taking next week off. We all need a bit of a summer break. So there will be no new episode of the Engadget Podcast next week. Come back the week after. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford on the service that has no has no name or real name. <laughs> if you want to send me uh, your favorite puzzle games that are not good sort or maybe have no ads, you can hit me up. I'm at Instagram on threads. I guess I am still at Low on X too. Uh, email us your thoughts at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes or anything that gets podcasts. And subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, Bay fam. Lit tribe crew iconic. Stay freaky, my dudes.